My name is Amanda. And I'm Kristen. And, and we are the Extra Sisters. Sisters. So sit back, relax, and let's get creepy. Welcome to another installment of 100 Years of Horror. And in this installment, we are going to go through the second half of the 1950s. So we're going to go through 1955 through 1959, starting with Kristen taking us through Night of the Hunter from 1955. Yep. Starting in America. Actually, these are all American this yep. time, interestingly. Yep. yep. This movie made me so anxious. Let me just say that oh right my off the God. bat. I watched this like... I think uh, before you, and I was like, oh my god, have you watched Night of the Hunter yet? Because I was so anxious for you to watch this fucking movie. Yeah, it was so fucking good. Okay, so, Night of the Hunter, it is about a man who steals $10,000, and he gives it to his little boy to hide. And his kids, it's a little boy and a little girl, they're the only ones that know anything about it. They have hidden it in, in a doll, we end up finding out, but that's basically it. Now, the man goes to prison for the theft and they can't find the money. So there is his celly, his cellmate, who he also doesn't tell where the money is at. He ends up dying, and his cellmate is this quote-unquote reverend that gets out, and he tracks down this family. And he ends up, he kills the mother because He's fucking she won't crazy. tell him. Yeah, crazy he ends up this. making like, her fall in love with him. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Making her fall in love with him, killing her, then he tries to go after the kids. The kids, I always thought, because I had heard about this movie for years, I assumed, you know, the kids, that they didn't get away, right? No, they actually do. The kids get away on a boat, and they end up with an adoptive mom who is a fucking badass and takes care of them. Yeah, like, they just run into her. They go down the river on a, basically a little dinghy, like a little boat, and they're just surviving off of the good they're basically panhandling for food along this right. river he's such a good big brother like he is the best oh my god big brother. yeah he's like what maybe nine and she's like six or five yeah. You're very even, yeah even before the death part comes in he's always like i have to take care of pearl i have to take care of pearl yeah. even when he has a mom that is the head of everything he's still got to take care of pearl well he's the man of the house now and especially in the 50s that was even if you were nine and you had a mother, you were the man now, you know? Exactly, exactly. And he does such a good job about it. This was actually based on a book, which was based on a real-life serial killer, actually. He was a bluebeard who would put out ads for Lonely Hearts, and the women would call him and he'd kill them. And in one scenario, he did kill a mother with three kids. Or by the end of this, they find out because he's like pulled the wool over this entire town's eyes. They think that he like hung the moon because he's like this, you know, this reverend who's taking care of this woman and her fucking heathen, you know, husband who got hanged and now he's taken on this family. So they think he's wonderful. And he acts like such a sweet talker. Yeah. By the end of this, they're like, Bluebeard, you know, (laughs) after him because they find out the truth. I wrote down some like quotes. It's he's you know he's crazy because in the beginning he's just killing women that he believes are whores basically right and he's he's talking to the lord and he says not that you mind the killings lord your book's full of killings and i was like oh, jesus i mean he's not wrong yeah he's right <laughs> he's doing he's killing on behalf of the good lord so. right the shots in this movie are so interesting Mm -hmm. there are times where you go into a room but it feels like a play like you can see the architecture of the room so you're out of it almost yes and it's played in shadow so well that was really cool too 
Yeah. And you're, it does a really great job of building suspense because these kids are running from this murderer the whole time and he is chasing them and he's singing this song. So it's almost like you as an audience member are also being like taunted by this song as he's coming after them. And it, it's so enthralling and it's also the saddest film that i think you know they're they're like the man who laughs was really sad obviously Mm -hmm. we've seen some sad ones but just this is these are children trying to run from this murderer that wants this money and after already being orphaned by this man exactly like the dad's gone because it's an era of depression and he just wanted the common man to get some of this money back so he gives it to his family and swear you know y'all have to swear you're never going to tell this secret and this is after he kills their mother and taunts them and they're already terrified of him right and not only is it sad because they were just orphaned and now they're being hunted he taunts them in their own home screams at them they try to hide from them so they know that he's going to try to kill them or do away with them before like it's just it's just putting these children through these horrific traumatic events and then i also made a note that these kids even before all this are singing this hang hang hung kind of like ring around the rosy thing and their dad was just hung like the whole thing was horrifically sad yeah, it definitely, I noted that it feels like a Grimm's fairy tale. It's yeah. definitely a story to tell kids about how scary the world is. Like, be very careful about who you talk to, what you tell things to, who you're around, things like that. Definitely. Mitchum, who is the reverend, the preacher, whatever, <laughs> yeah. he's obviously a fake, but Mitchum and Shelley Winters are the lead characters in this movie for a while until she dies. And Mitchum hated Shelley Winters. I looked it up. He said, she looks and sounds as much like a wasted West Virginia girl as I do. The only bit she'll do convincingly is to float in the water. Jesus. With her throat cut. Christ. Yep. He was also disappointed that the floating body was a dummy and not Winters. That is fucked up. What an asshole, man. Oh, yeah. He hated her. What the fuck? Why would you? I mean, I know this is the 50s, so I guess men could just say whatever they wanted. But Jesus Christ. I mean, looking into him a little bit more, he's a great actor, but he's one of those where he's a great actor, but kind of a shitty person. Alfred Hitchcock. He he came to work one day and he was totally fucking drunk. And the producer said that he couldn't be there because he's too drunk to film that day. And he turned around and went to the producer's car and peed on his front seat. Like, he's an asshole. He should not be allowed to work. <laughs> well, I'm sure he's dead now, but well, yeah, yeah exactly. but like at the time, like that should have been like a black band on like his, you know, like in Hollywood right. at the time. Right, but I'm sure you know he uh, wasn't communist, and that's all that fucking mattered, right? Fuck the commies. Right. <laughs> Fuck the commies. Okay. But I do love. I you made a, a comment. You had texted me when I was like, "Oh my god, this movie's amazing." You're like, "The adoptive mama rocks," and she fucking does. Yeah, she's a fucking badass. She fucking stands there with a gun waiting for him. Like, and she's the first one to actually listen to these kids and realize mm-hmm. that this is an abuser and not just hand them back over to him. Oh yeah, now that I've watched her, she mm-hmm. is someone that I want to be. Yep. Because even. She has adopted multiple kids. It's he's the only boy, the the son that we're following. He's the only boy. It's all girls and there's one girl she's like 16 and she's flirty and she just wants boys to like her and when she comes forward and confesses that she hasn't been going to her sewing classes like she was supposed to, she's been meeting boys, 
her adoptive mama is not upset she's just like i understand baby you're just looking for love in the wrong places and i'm like that's amazing and i strive to be that they, absolutely and to know that you have this you know 15 16 year old girl that just wants to be loved because she's got for lack of a better phrase daddy issues because she's right. abandoned and you had to take her in that's you know an understanding that even parents nowadays don't have about their own fucking kids that have issues there's a point he makes it into the house and she fucking shoots him and then she calls the cops hey just wanted to let you know he's in my barn i love there's that. something trapped in my barn or something like that she's like get him exactly so good yeah loved this movie oh my god so egotistical that he thinks oh this you know little lady's nothing on me but she fucking bests him man she fucking points a rifle at his face she's like, love her you can't you're gonna take these kids over my dead body and bam that's that exactly and i don't know if you have the end quote here but i really loved it and it is they abide and they endure talking about the children and i thought that was so yeah because cool. That's also not like typical horror movies. We have the end, you know, someone gets arrested, they go to jail. That's it. You see the the sirens. We get to the cops and then there's more. Mm -hmm. You see like a bit of the trial and you see the these adoptive kids and their adoptive mom and it's Christmas time and things like that. You get to see them living again after all this trauma. Yeah, you do get some of that closure and it's it's uh actually you get to feel a little warm and fuzzy like yes they lost their dad they lost their mom they were hunted and they were you know all of these horrible things happened to them but then they found someone to love and care for them and they do get their happy ending which is really sweet and then the whole town goes and they're like lynch the bluebeard and you're like yes <laughs> lynch him. and he does all these creepy psychopath things like throughout which is also adds another like horror element where he talks he's got like i think love and hate tattooed on his knuckles and he's like telling all these creepy stories about the bible and it's just like ooh, it just makes you feel so dirty exactly you can tell he's just such a false prophet and it's gross like so many like real life people like during you know all the coronavirus stuff like these yeah. preachers like we're gonna stay open because the virus can't get us because we have the blood of christ you know <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. This movie's amazing. I please beg anybody out there, watch it, who loves horror. It's amazing. We beg you, yes. Watch Night of the Hunter. Mm -hmm. I got a vibe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so moving on to 1956, we have one that pretty much everybody has heard of. It is Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And I think there are there's at least one remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, maybe a couple. Yeah, there, there are two of them. Yeah. There's... Uh, the 50s and the 70s and they're actually both on our list which is pretty cool yeah so this one obviously we're talking about 1956 it is black and white and we have a lot of narration in this half of the 50s or in this little era here there was a little bit in night of the hunter not as much narration but it begins with the adoptive mother telling a story and ends with her quote basically and this one is also narrated and it is an extraterrestrial movie, or they say these things came from the sky. So, you know, you can frame right. that. I, you know, I wasn't excited about, there's two, well, not two, but uh, some of these alien features early on in horror, you're kind of like, mm, but then I always really like them, like The Blob and Invasion of the Body Snatchers and stuff like that. They, mm -hmm. They're good. And this one... 50s is fun yes the, i had a lot of fun with actually all of these movies spoiler alert <laughs> and this one did not disappoint either so there is this doctor and he was away and he comes back i think he was away for like 
a couple of weeks or something like that at a conference. And he comes back and his secretary is basically like, so a bunch of people wanted to see you and now they're all fine. Like emergency, they would only see you and now they're all totally fine. And he's like, well, that's, that's fucking weird. And then you have these, a few characters that are convinced that their family members are not actually their family members. And you've heard about this, like as a horror fan, this is something that is not a foreign concept, but this is the first time to my knowledge that it's been done. I don't know if you have any different information, Kristen, but I'm pretty sure this is it. No, I can't think of anything else. Imposters. So (laughs) this doctor and his love interest are our two main characters here. And basically the whole plot is, it's a full hour and a half film, but the whole plot is the, and they have two friends here. There are aliens that are taking over people and they come from these little pods that look like these little they look like giant leaves basically and they come out and they look like blueprints of people that they're going to take over one night the doctor gets a call from one of their friends while he's at dinner with his woman they go over there and there's basically what looks like a dead body that kind of looks like it might have his same features but not quite and then as it's there longer it starts to take on his feature down to even a cut across the palm of his hand And then they start to realize that these things are taking over people's likenesses and they have no idea what's happening to the original bodies. And they're like, okay, we have to call the FBI. We got to get out of here. But uh, they figure out that basically all of the phone lines are going down. So this is happening at least on a statewide scale at this point. But we find out that they have plans for this to go much further than a statewide scale and for it to go national. And I would assume global, but you don't really get that far. So they are taking over bodies and they want to bring in a kind of a, they want to be us, but without emotions and without all of that shit that comes with it, you know, like, right. It's definitely, they're talking about communism. Uh-huh. Is what they're talking yep. About. Like everybody just assimilates one after the other and it, yeah. there's no love, there's no joy, there's no complications, no nothing. You just... You just do what you need to do every day and like you don't feel you don't feel anything Mm -hmm. and so our main character and his love interest they have to basically be on the run because they're two of the last ones left after their friends get taken over and they do fight for a while but they can't sleep because when they sleep is when they're vulnerable and get taken over and so they're he's a doctor so he's got what i assume would be amphetamine pills (laughs) We take some meth pills to stay awake for a little while. They put up a good fight. They run up into the hills, into this cave for a little while. But eventually she falls asleep. And one of the last scenes that you get is he's looking at her and begging her to stay awake. And she falls asleep for like a split second. And she opens her eyes and she's completely, she's turned into one of these pot people. Yeah. And it's so sad because you're so invested the whole time in their love story because they've known each other since like, I think it said like at least high school. Yeah. They both got married to other people, but now they're both divorced. They can actually be together. And it's like star-crossed lovers, you know, but then these fucking alien things are taking over people and it takes her over and she's like, join us. They were right. It is so much better because at first she's like, no, I'd rather be dead. I want to love. And there's a lot of emotion and just, you know, they would rather die together and in love than become these loveless 
alien beings, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was really good and a very emotional love story. And then at the end, it's this doctor and he's gotten out of the town he's in and he's trying to convince the set of other doctors like, hey, this is fucking happening. I swear to God, I'm not crazy. I'm a doctor too. And they're like, nah, he's fucking crazy. And then they hear a report of this truck with these pods in it from the town he was just in. And they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> right, exactly. Which is not what would happen nowadays because then they would just call him crazy, you know. Yeah. But. My only problem with this movie is something very simple, and it drove me insane. Yes, I'm ready. He saves the girl that he loves from her father's house, actually. He brings her in the middle of the night over to his house, and she's making breakfast for him in the morning. Mm-hmm. And she's boiling, har- she's making hard-boiled eggs. Mm-hmm. She puts the eggs in, turns to talk to him. He turns to talk to a dude in the basement that's fixing their furnace or whatever, and all of a sudden she's like, oh, the eggs are done. Are you motherfucking kidding me? That is the fastest any egg has boiled ever on the planet, ever. Did you know that he no. invented the rapid egg cooker right then and there? Fucking egg. <laughs> I'm so mad. It's oh my god. Moviemistakes.com Exactly. <laughs> I'm so mad. Yeah, it's definitely like a Cold War piece, though. And we've talked about this before. Like, most films are some sort of, like, commentary. Like, whether they're horror or whatever. I think right. the only ones that usually aren't are, like, romantic comedies because they're just there to make you feel something. But even right. sometimes they throw in, like, oh, well, he was away at the war, you know. But this <laughs> definitely was one of those things and it goes all the way back you know we even have some from the 20s and 30s that are like what it's a reflection of society and this is definitely a reflection of the cold war era so right definitely and you can use it over and over again it could be about any social ism that could possibly take us over like communism yep and so yeah i thought it was a really enjoyable film i honestly there aren't many here that i would give like less than like a four or a five so i'd probably say that one gets a four from me agreed it was really really good i haven't seen it in years but it was good this is actually my first time seeing all of these so oh really that's That's awesome out there yeah moving on to 1957 we have the incredible shrinking man and this one just off the bat i it was both boring and intriguing. Mm-hmm. I agree. It, it was kind of on that line. I don't know. Okay. So The Incredible Shrinking Man is about a man who was on a boat with his wife. They were just having an afternoon out on the Another boat. Another first person Ex- narration. It Another is. one. <laughs> <laughs> Except all of a sudden there's a radiation cloud that he gets drenched in. And he begins to shrink. He shrinks until he's about three foot, and then we stop and we get more narration of him trying to learn, and he starts to get happy with his life again. He's not as depressed. He doesn't want to kill himself, and then he starts to shrink again, and he just, he shrinks until he can fit into a dollhouse, which, by the way, was fucking awesome. Yeah, I love the effects of this film. They really went there. Like, they were- It was really cool. Because, you know, we have shrinking films, like one of the Frankensteins dabbled in that, and then we have Devil Doll. Mm-hmm. It's not like the first time we've done, like, small people, but right. we really went for it this time. <laughs> oh definitely and they didn't turn away from him no not at all you saw, i mean obviously it was just big furniture that he was sitting in and stuff but you saw him at every single and stage. he was the focal point like yes. it wasn't like which is really away. interesting mm-hmm. yeah it wasn't he's there tall and all of a sudden he's there short right. you saw him get smaller so he ends up living in this dollhouse and he's depressed again and hates his life and his wife accidentally lets the cat in Mm -hmm. from outside and it attacks him and he has to leave his little dollhouse and he ends up in the basement where nobody knows he's fucking there everyone thinks he has died because they think the cat attacked him like it did 
and he ends up having to survive down there, including with a huge tarantula. The saddest part is he ends up surviving down there. He thinks You think that his wife's going to save him or someone's going to save him, and it actually ends with nothing saves him. Nope. He shrinks and shrinks and shrinks until he's nothing, but he's everything. It's all about the cosmos and all of that energy, which is really interesting. Yeah, I loved dude, the ending. You never get that. It blew my mind because, like, I was making notes and, you know, you think it's just about this man surviving as, like, a, a tiny person. It's kind of like a, an early horror version of, like, honey, I shrunk the kids or, like, honey, we shrunk ourselves, right. you know? Like, what would it be like if we had to live on the scale of, like, a tiny ant or a bug or whatever, which everyone's interested in, you know? All of a sudden, we humans, which are, like, at the top of everything, are having to fight off, like, the hot water heater leaks, and it's, like, an ocean to him, and he has to get on top of a pencil to, to float, mm-hmm. or, like you said, the spider, or, like, little thing, like, a mouse trap. Like, they built all this crazy suspense with him trying to get food off of a mouse trap and you know all these little things but at the then at the end i was like um the, it ends with completely understanding existence slash creation and then it says to god yeah. there is no zero like at the end. yeah for a title of the incredible shrinking man yeah. you actually get some philosophy out of it. it yeah it was like he walks off with this huge narration of like him looking up at the stars and talking about god and existence and everything and nothing and i was like what <laughs> You're like, wait, did he die? Wait, what happened? Seriously? Are we just walking into nothingness? Because you assume he's just going to shrink and shrink and shrink and shrink until there's nothing left, you know, yeah. which is or what everything left is what he talks about. He's a part of everything. Yeah, he just which fades really into cool. like life in general, like 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 says the everything. So yeah, and I liked how they he equipped himself with a needle as a sword and. Mm-hmm. you know, a little grappling hook, which was just, uh, just things we yeah. found on the basement floor. So it was an incredibly creative movie and it had a huge budget for the time. I remember, I think it was like 700000 or $750,000 in the fifties. So that's why the- they oh, used it for their effects. <laughs> exactly. Look the way they did because this movie had a massive budget and I would assume it's because, you know, obviously they, they had some, you know, good effects but then it, if the end if they went to a studio and they were like yeah it's going to be about a shrinking man but then we're going to talk about god you know like right exactly it. <laughs> it, it had really good details that i love when horror uses as well mm-hmm. like you know like when when you're really scared you're going to pee your pants and i love when horror actually puts that in and one of the things that it does is he gets attacked by this big tarantula and he kills it and he gets out from under that tarantula and he's fucking shaking and you can see it. And I love that because that's how it'd be. Yeah. And I also, the tarantula thing, the only thing that I have to say is like a tarantula probably, I, okay. I'm not, this is just, a tarantula is. You're the tarantula. Girl. Yeah, I, I guess. Okay. Tarantulas, <laughs> they're probably not going to live in the basement, but I understand why we use tarantulas for fear because when you when they get an undershot of the tarantula and oh that was scary that's what they look like like when my when my girl is up on her enclosure i can see everything underneath her and tarantulas you can clearly see their fangs and so and you probably can on most spiders too but the sheer scale of a tarantula and how everything underneath them is just out in the open like that makes them really easy to 
fear. You know what I mean? Like it's a really, you can yeah. easily get a shot underneath a tarantula. Well, especially if he's the size of an insect that she would eat. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, even my juvenile is probably three and a half inches from, you know, leg to leg. That's a pretty big spider. She's not even full grown. She's really young. So, you know, I can see now my only complaint was you could still use a tarantula and not make it spin a chill on a web. But I see why they did it. It didn't really matter. I, I'm just like, oh, I love tarantulas, you know, but. Yeah, I figured you'd be upset. I mean, I was like, oh, no, not the spider. But I, it was like, <laughs> what I did like was he was like, the spider is no longer my enemy. Now it's just instinct. It wasn't like we got to kill the spider right. just to kill the spider. The spider's web was on his only source of sustenance. So, right, exactly. You know gotta do what we gotta do now the spider would have gotten him a lot quicker that was a slow ass tarantula because when they want to eat they don't fucks around but that's my yeah yeah but you know i really enjoyed it and i thought that a lot of the creativity and ingenuity they put into it probably led the way for a lot of other films down the line to you know continue that so that was really cool yeah, like I said, it was kind of boring at times, but yeah. then it just blew my mind at the end. I was like, that's our ending? I mean, that's amazing. It does drag when he's just, like, sleeping in his yeah. matchbox, and you're kind of watching him, like, wander around, contemplate things, and you're like, okay. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, right. It was pretty good. I'd give this one. It's probably more like a three and a half to four, but still, like, a solid, like, upper grade there for yeah. me. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. So moving on to 1958, we have something that I'm sure a lot of people have heard of, if not seen. It is The Fly, which I believe also has a remake in the 70s. And Vincent Price is in this one, which I... Yeah, our next two are Vincent Price. Yes, which I actually did not know that Vincent Price was in The Fly. I knew he was in the next one, which we'll get to in a minute, but I did not know he was in this. But, you know, he is uh, the 50s spooky daddy, so it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> and it's in color. It's our only one in this section. We seem to get one in every section. Yeah, and I actually made a note, and I was like, is Vincent Price the only horror actor in the 50s that is allowed colored movies? But then that proves to <laughs> The next one is Black and White. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, underst- I understand why they did this one in color, because there is some significance with talking about some color in this one. So mm-hmm. I guess that would make sense. And I would assume maybe the budget was higher. I'm not really sure why the decision there to, but doesn't really. Happen. Yeah, I did notice really quick before we get into yeah. it the credits beforehand. There was a little note I wanted to bring up because it was interesting. It said "Cinemascope Lens" by Bausch and Lomb. Oh, interesting. Well, yeah, it makes sense because they still do lenses and contact, yeah, and optics in general. So. I thought that was so cool. It's the first time I had seen that. Um, now I want to look at all of the old movies and be like, really? Bausch and Lomb. I'm going to talk to our rep about that and be like, I don't know about your <laughs> company. Because like, I, I know that some of you know this, but we work in eye care. So uh, Bausch and Lomb right, is exactly. big in our industry, obviously. So uh, Vincent Price, we have him. And we get some good gore immediately. Now, I think this right away might be awesome. the first film to, in my memory to show us blood in color, too. Mm-hmm. from from what we've watched i'm not saying the first one in history i'm saying the first one that we have watched in this series yeah we didn't see anything in house of wax right no blood if it was it was very minor i don't think i don't remember it being significant this was significant <laughs> this is a lot it, of it blood was, it was a bloody body and got crushed in a hydraulic press bloody which was so cool right off the bat good gore yep 
And this woman calls Vincent Price's character and she's like, hey, I killed my husband, who is your brother. <laughs> and he's like, nah, you didn't do that. And she's like, yeah, I fucking did. And she won't answer <laughs> why she did it. So basically, this whole movie is, it's it's kind of a simple plot. So it's not like I have to go into this huge major walkthrough. But basically, we have kind of another mad scientist spinoff plot here her husband had a lab i think in their house if i'm not mistaken mm -hmm. and he was doing these experiments and it's kind of like well so he was doing these experiments and he did something on himself and a fly got stuck in it with him and so it transposed their atoms between each other basically so he had a fly head and a fly hand and mm -hmm. the fly had a him head <laughs> like a human head. Uh -huh. so basically he was turning into this fly and his thoughts were becoming less of his own and the longer he stayed like this without being able to turn back into himself the worse it got so now he needed his wife to go and find this one specific fly and it had a white head and they have a son as well. She's telling this story back because she's got to go back to why she killed her husband. And of course, we've got investigators involved and doctors. And they think she's crazy because every time there's a fly in the room, she's freaking out and screaming. And they're like, what the <laughs> fuck is happening? So Vincent Price's character gets her to tell the story. And that's what we're going back to here is this story. So it's already happened. But she has to find this fly. And that's what her husband, he wears like a cloth bag over his head because like as an audience, you're like, oh, He's got a fly head, but he doesn't. Yeah, which notice. pissed me off because when he finally shows his wife, she screams. Did you not guess that's what was on? Well, and she already said even before she saw it, I won't be scared, bitch. <laughs> Goddamn liar. As we know in the 50s and even from some in the 40s, even the headstrong women, they just compulsively scream like they just right. that's what we're good for in the 50s or scream sound bites i guess i don't know basically even the kid the little boy at some at one point is talking to vincent price his uncle over dinner and he makes a comment just randomly of you know women aren't good for anything basically is what it came to like yeah. he's six are you well, kidding me he's being brought up in the patriarchy I'm down with women even though he's now mm -hmm. raised by a single mother so you need to right. set your ass down because your daddy exactly. and you need to respect your mother. <laughs> but whatever. But anyways, the uh, the whole bulk of this movie is daddy's down in the basement turning into a fucking fly. And mom's got to find a fucking fly. A fly. <laughs> got to find a fly because her husband's life depends on it. And it at some point, she's really bad too. Like her kid has a net. Her kid even catches it at one point before he knows yeah. she has to find this fly. And she's like, get rid of that fucking fly. And he releases it. But at some point it ends up back in the house and they have a little crack in a window and she's like, don't let it out. And they're trying to catch it. You need to let your kid handle the net because she just like, Agreed. like with the net. And she's like the worst. She's like the epitome of like, making fun of a woman with like any sort of sports equipment like the yeah. oh no i miss you know <laughs> because she fucking misses it and then it gets outside and she runs around outside like you're gonna find a fly outside <laughs> where they all live where they all it, it's hard enough to get like a fly inside you know mm -hmm. you know yeah she pours like sugar everywhere all over the house and stuff and i'm like i mean i guess yeah good luck like sugar, I, yeah. But so 
the she tells this story and she's like and that's the story because her husband wanted to kill himself if he couldn't turn back into it like his full self and she's like okay but like let me try to find the fly first and so she agrees to basically like aid his suicide and destroy all his notes and i was like you know that you're gonna get like you literally said like i just killed my husband what did you think was gonna happen because they come to take her to jail and she's like who me <laughs> like exactly you, exactly you said you killed your husband and then told everyone that he turned into a fly because of these experiments but then you destroyed all the evidence like what did you expect what did you expect me me who me i did not do anything <laughs> and they're like oh no you're going to the asylum lady like <laughs> done. but then the this inspector goes and sits and the, this the fly is caught in a spider web but remember he's got a human head and so he's like help me and it's terrifying and it's, <laughs> so, yeah it is terrifying and the inspector kills the humanoid fly because it it's it's it should die yeah <laughs> kill it with fire <laughs> and vincent price's character is like well you're just as much of a murderer as she is and she yeah hypocrite yeah <laughs> and that's the movie <laughs> yep I mean, this was probably my least favorite of all of them, but it wasn't bad either. It just was what it was. So probably like a solid like three, but that's like a strong three. It was still a good time. And plus, right. yeah, exactly. He's amazing. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to read you my little rant that I wrote my notebook. Oh my God, I'm so ready. <laughs> so when they're doing this, I don't know, trans something, whatever, he's moving things from one place to another. Okay, there we go. That's what he's doing. He puts the family cat in one of them he hasn't tested it on living things yet and in fact they already had a mistake on a non-living thing the script was written backwards on the made in japan thing okay we already had a problem maybe don't start with the family pet he uses a guinea pig later like you didn't have that before you just like oh i should go buy that now but this is what i wrote in capitals don't put the cat in the thing why doesn't she wonder where the cat is maybe don't fucking start out with the family pet <laughs> I just kept going because he even brings her down into that area where he did those experiments. And he goes, oh, yeah, I put dandelion in there. I put dandelion in there. <laughs> She's like, you did what? Did you not wonder where he, she was for weeks? Well, the worst. I also made a note because I did this in, I think, uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, too. It's amazing that cats lived in the 50s because all they gave them was milk. <laughs> all they gave them was milk. Right? Uh, I was like, all the family pet the thing. stones. All of you getting stones <laughs> <laughs> with all this milk. God damn. Uh, it was terrible. Okay, moving on. Yes. <laughs> moving on to 1959, we have another Vincent Price classic, mm -hmm. House on Haunted Hill. Ghost now, Clue. this has also been remade. Yes. Ghost Clue. Mm hmm. Ghost Clue. Basically. <laughs> So Vincent Price is a millionaire, and million, and million, and, million. <laughs> and throws this and his wife who <laughs> <laughs> throws this very expensive party for five guests. He will pay them ten thousand dollars a piece if they can stay the night in this haunted house, and he throws it for his wife. Now, what happens throughout that is people are haunted, quote unquote. Mostly, it's by Vincent Price who is trying to kill his wife. 
Right. That's, Who is also that's the trying money. to kill him. Correct. They hate each other. Yeah. And she wants his money and he's like, you're a greedy bitch. I know you want my money. Why? So this is like not his first wife either. And I was like, why continue to marry if you know all these hoes ain't loyal and just want your money? Just be a single man and like will it to somebody. Exactly. The same. I don't know. Yeah. I don't you ain't got to be afraid for your life all the time if you just do that. Right? She even quote unquote kills herself but it's fake and then he ends up having to kill her and he dumps her on a vat of acid jesus fucking christ yeah yeah which so you are taken through the house by someone who knows the place and he takes them to the vat room and there is one two women there is a younger woman who stands there over the vat and she hears this terrifying story about a man who threw his wife in there right and then she starts to faint over the vat of acid. Are you insane? Okay, why is that a thing that women just do? Can you not feel that? I feel when I don't feel good. Walk over to the steps, sit down, put your face between your knees, breathe. So I'm why the fuck you a note here that like there's this I'm kind of like getting ahead because like it's literally just a haunted house movie, but like kind of yeah. but mostly just like He's trying to kill her and she's trying to kill him with the help of this other dude that she's in love with. So they're trying to set each other up. But like, right. There's this character named Nora. And let me tell you about Nora. <laughs> this bitch would not stop screaming the whole yeah. time. She's like, she'll scream, but like, I don't mean scream. She'll go like, ah, ah like she will inhale to scream more and then after she's done belt screaming she'll be like is anybody in here and I'm like you already outed yourself by screaming at the top of your lungs why bother whisper Nora at this point everybody knows you're in here she should have fainted right into that bed I'm saying we should have done away with fucking Nora in the morning <laughs> But it's really good. They have some really good scares in it. Mm -hmm. There's a point where they're tapping on walls and all of a sudden she leans up and there's a spooky woman standing there and then she like floats away. Oh my god, that was That's terrifying. I was like, oh, yeah. oh, look at that. Yeah. I literally made a note and I was like, so the old lady ghost is spooky? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Even though it wasn't a ghost, but still. Yeah, she's just like a caretaker. Yeah. Who just fucks with people, which is awesome. I'd do that. Yeah, because like the guy that knows the house even says four men were murdered and three women and then like shit starts happening, you know? like haunted mansion yeah. but not yeah but not and then like there's this skeleton that's like kind of like the end thing that like pushes his wife so his wife like pretends to hang herself in front of all the guests but she's not actually dead and then she like scares other guests like everybody thinks like she's basically trying to get him down in the cellar to shoot him but then he knows that because he's like you started to play the game of murder, but I was playing too. Because he's like, bro, you know? And like, <laughs> I'm saying this because like, she goes down there and then this, she thinks he's dead and then the skeleton comes and he's narrating the voice and he's like, blah, 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 I am your dead husband. He doesn't say that, but it scares her to the point of falling in the acid. And then you, he, you see him being the ones pulling the strings. But what's funny about that is in the end credits, it said the skeleton. A, like, oh, that's credited cool. the skeleton, and I thought that was funny because he that's had cool. such a major part in the movie by killing the wife, so he got a credit. 
That part was cool too. The skeleton puppeted was really cool looking. Yeah. So this movie is, like I said, it's like Clue, but like with ghosts, except they're not actually ghosts. It's just a bunch of people trying to kill each other, or like two people trying to kill each other with all these auxiliary characters being like pawns in the game. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I would go, if somebody was like, I will give you money to stay the night in a haunted house, I'd be like, oh, bet. <laughs> Unless it turned into a would you rather situation and then that would be different. But if they were just like, you don't yeah, have to do not- anything. It's not a game other than you just have to stay in the house for 12 hours. I'd be like, Kristen, we have to share a room, but we're doing it. <laughs> hey, I'd do it as long as I could have someone with me. I'd do it. Yeah. But not by share myself. a room. See? So if you have a haunted house and you want the extra sisters to spend the night and you $10,000 a piece, we will be there. We're ready. Well, yep. We're not bringing the little ghost meter thing. We don't want to know. We're going to bring laptop and the movies. <laughs> and that's that. And we'll be there. Exactly. But yeah, this movie was fun. It gets a four out of five from me. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Vincent Price is the man. Yeah. So Night of the Hunter got the highest rating from me on here. That was my favorite out of these. But just because I think it went real deep. So. Oh, yeah. Please watch Night of the Hunter, yeah. please. If you got to watch one of these, I, I think everybody knows, like, House on Haunted Hill. Obviously, it's a it's an incredible horror film. You know, Invasion of the Body Snatcher is really good. But Night of the Hunter, I don't know if everybody's seen that one or heard of it as much as, you know. But So that would be my recommendation out of all these, for sure. Yeah. I had heard about it for years, but I just never had gotten around to watching it. And I'm so upset I hadn't so good yep that's going on my list of things that i would watch again so thank you for hanging out with us we hope you're enjoying this we are about to head to about the halfway point as we head into the (gasps) 60s the second part yay gosh amazing so we hope you stick around for the 1960s part one we got some fun stuff coming up for that and we hope you enjoyed it you know where to find us hopefully at this point all of our socials are the extra sisters podcast except for twitter which is at the extra sisters and if you would like to join our patreon family we got some fun stuff going on over there some exclusive reviews you can request stuff and get entered in for little giftaways i don't think giftaways i think giveaways i think that patreon wants me to say gifts so that's what i'll say but we are patreon.com slash the extra sisters podcast so you can join our little fam over there and we appreciate our patrons very much thank you so much until next time stay creepy